On this episode of AV Week, a new vaccine is heading down the pipeline for COVID-19, what it will mean for the AV industry, live events, and other parts. AVI Systems has purchased Atlanta-based Avive and looking to expand in the Atlanta market as well as in the Southeast. And Planar getting more involved in the government market. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 482, recorded Friday, November 13th, 2020. AV Vaccine. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. And by FSR. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, Megan Della from AV Network and Systems Contractor News and all kinds of fun stuff. How are you, ma'am? Hi, happy Friday the 13th. Happy, yes, we are recording this on Friday the 13th, knock on wood and everything else I've got. God bless 2021. Okay, that's it. That's all I got. Um, also with us is Alicia Henley from Access Networks, one of our fantastic sponsors. We thank them, but also thank you, Ms. Henley. Thank you. How, how are you? I'm good, Tim. Happy to be back. How you doing? I am doing well. Doing well. Good. Not too bad for a Friday, even Friday the 13th. Uh, also with us is Mr. Brock McGinnis from Avitas. Welcome, sir. Hello, Tim. Good to be here. Uh, and last but not least, Chuck Espinoza, SPS, um, SPS, good Lord, a.k.a. Mad Sound Guy. Welcome, sir. Hi, Tim. Really, really happy to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, so a couple pieces before we ever get started. Uh, number one. Um, much like Mr. McGinnis, our, our friend and colleague and uh, the guy who quote unquote signs my checks, uh, even though he doesn't sign them and doesn't even process them. But that's beside the point. Uh, Mr. Bradford Ben uh, is going out on his own. Uh, many of you may, may or may not know that Bradford has worked for a entertainment conglomerate for the last these last few years. And just like uh, a lot of folks, uh, he was on the outs uh, with the furloughs and, and um things happening economically. So he is uh, becoming a consultant. Uh, so you can check that out on our website. Uh, and also something that Megan and Alicia and I, uh, along with uh, Gary Kay from uh, Ray Publications, kind of kicked off today with a joint video um, calling it um, Positivity. Positivity. Positivity? Positivity. Uh, you can check that out on Megan's site with Alicia and LinkedIn, Gary and Rave and us. Uh, just a way for us as an industry to lift each other up and and bring positivity to the to the industry and socials in, in general so do either of you like to say anything about that i know i threw that on you at the last minute here uh so far it's going well a lot of people reaching out um giving me some personal listings that they're looking for as far as employment so i'll be sharing those um, Excellent. With hashtag. very cool Alrighty. uh first and foremost coming up here from our friends over at av magazine the isc backed um Association hails the COVID breakthrough. If you did not, we're not aware, uh, Pfizer and BioNTech uh, released that they have a vaccine that prevents, quote unquote, more than 90% of people from getting COVID-19 in a clinical trial. A couple of things. First and foremost, um, clinical trial, 90% is huge. Um, it is a vaccine. The 
folks that we've talked to and interviewed um, from the medical associations as well as um, the CDC here in the States, the first people that are getting any sort of vaccine that is released and approved are medical um, staff and first responders. So understand that going in before we start having these conversations. In my understanding, in my estimation, and aviation's, none of us are going to see this first round um, is what we're seeing. Most likely we will see a second or a third round depending on how they prioritize. Um, but again, we're, we are none, not, at least none of us here are on the medical staff and none of us here are first responders. So we here at Aviation will not be getting the first round of, of, of vaccine. And most likely if you're listening to us, you probably won't either. So that's that being said going forward. However, Mr. Blackman, uh, ISC manager, managing director is very excited about this as well he should be, quote unquote, for the business events industry, this is a very welcome news as vaccines are seen as the most relevant step towards general global reopening of events. Megan, we're going to start with you on this. Not for nothing, but Future has a number of irons in these fires. Uh, Future does the, the, the daily for ISC. They also do the daily for Infocom um, in, in Orlando. You and I have been in several pl- of the same places the last several years. What does this mean? What, what does this vaccine, or at least the potential of this vaccine mean going forward as we're rounding, you know, wrapping up 2020 and, and, and all of us really, quite frankly, are planning for 2021. What does this vaccine, the potential of it mean? Well, you know, first of all, I just want to give a disclaimer. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a healthcare provider. So this is just my personal opinion on this. I, I don't know when we'll see a vaccine. So I don't even know if we'll have it, you know, in time for June. That's the first question. And we'll be watching that obviously very closely. And I think it'll be interesting to see, not just in terms of IIC Infocom, but just events in general, if they're going to ask attendees, like, did you get the vaccine and only allow people that have the vaccine or things, I know Chuck's looking at me like I'm crazy, but I could see that being a questionnaire or having to sign a waiver if you haven't had the vaccine going to events. Cause we've seen that from live events that have happened that you have to sign a waiver to attend saying you won't sue them if you catch COVID. Would would that not violate HIPAA laws, though, asking people if they've had a certain vaccine or not? I mean, we start getting can ask it and stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I know they require you have vaccinated your kids before you send them to school, and you have to sign a thing. But like, I don't know. That gets into that's that's almost like a sticky situation where, hey, have you had the vaccine? No, you can't come in. And do you get a card saying you've had the vaccine or you've had the virus? Um, uh, show of hand. Actually, I'm not going to ask any of you. The one thing I will say about about that, Chuck, is is there are when it comes to HIPAA, and I know very enough to be dangerous about it, but you can certainly release your own information, right, if you choose. Right. Uh, and so that's yeah. where some of that that gray area comes down to. I have personally had COVID. I had it back in August. Question is whether or not I get a card now from my local medical our health uh, system, uh, or if I get the vaccine, do I get a certain, you know, do I get a, um, a shining gold star or something that shows, you But that's you know, also another uncertainty. They don't know how long you are immune to it, if you are at all. You know, some people say it's as short as six weeks, so you've already missed that six-week window, you know? Yep, absolutely. Uh, Brock, you've been going to trade shows um, for a while. Uh, does this give you any sort of, of warm 
fuzzy, uh, the fact that a vaccine's coming down the pipeline. And if it does, you know, where, where do you see it coming uh, and when? Uh, I have no control over when. And, um, you know, Pfizer's 90% announcement uh, was uh, cleverly timed uh, for the CEO to be able to unload 60% of his stock uh, on a uh, on a prearranged transfer. So I'm, I'm a little cynical uh, about the timing and the uh, the level. And and he mustn't be very hopeful if he if he thought he should be selling now rather than waiting uh, until they're shipping billions of these. But finance cynicism aside, um, vac- vaccine is our, uh, th- this is our ticket to uh, resuming life as we used to know it, uh, to being able to get on airplanes uh, comfortably, uh, to be able to s- start making travel plans and, uh, and congregating with others. Um, we can all go to Barcelona in June, uh, or we, and we can all go to, to Orlando in June. Uh, we'll wear masks, um, we'll wash our hands, we'll take good care of ourselves and, and maintain a six-foot difference. But the reality is, is that although we can, uh, most of us probably won't uh, because we're uncomfortable uh, or our family members are uncomfortable. And, uh, and a vaccine is the only way uh, that that is going to change uh, and and restore confidence. And then the only people that uh, that we really have to worry about are the people who choose not to be vaccinated. Um, and uh, fortunately, uh, they will not be a threat uh, to others, um, like to, to others who, who have been vaccinated. Uh, and so it's a personal choice. All right, very good. Alicia, do you have the last word on this? You do work for a manufacturer uh, who you know, ostensibly would potentially uh, be going at least to Cedia, uh, typically what, what Access Networks does. Um, you know, when you have conversations, and I know Haggai, I don't think that Haggai would ever force anyone to do to do anything they're not comfortable with. So let's get that out there in, in, in general. But you personally, if they were making plans and they asked you, you know, Alicia, here's the deal that we want to, we're going to go to Indianapolis, which is where CD is going to be held this in, in 2021, but we have a vaccine. Does that give you any, any warm fuzzies or is it something where we need to, we need to see a little bit more uh, testing done? Um, from a company perspective, anybody that knows a guy, you kind of have like a free way and you get, they given an option and it's your choice. That would never be a, listen, there's a vaccine, get on the plane and go to Cedia. <laughs> if you know anything about our company culture, that would never be something that happens. Personally, if it did happen, I would be waiting. Um, I don't want to be involved in this first round of whatever they're putting out, 90% or not. <laughs> uh, I, don't want, I don't want any parts of it yet. But when I did hear the news of it, um, even outside of our AV space, it was hopeful, right? Like, okay, we're making progress. Um, I don't see this happening anytime soon, but there is progress being made. There is hope um, that our live events will get back to what we're used to. And um, like I've been telling all my friends, let's just stay in the now, stay hopeful. Let's continue to pivot, do our drive-ins, drive-in concerts, drive-in movie theaters, live streaming. Just stay optimistic, but also stay hopeful. So not a whole bunch of warm fuzzies, because like I said, I don't want in on that first round. But um, hopeful um, to see what comes as far as the progress goes throughout the years. Are you saying you have hashtag positivity? Damn right I am. (laughs) <laughs> all right on that note we're going to move along to another piece of or at least a piece of um normalcy let's call it that way avi systems has acquired atlanta based and i'm going to screw this up 
Avive uh, from uh, our friends over at Commercial Integrator. Uh, from the article, the two companies will combine their Atlanta offices into Avive's physical location. When fully integrated, AVI systems will serve the entire Southeast U.S. Uh, with AV services and solutions designed for any business in every industry segment. End quote. Mr. McGinnis, we'll start with you on this. Is this a return to normalcy, the, the announcement of a merger and acquisition, or is it more aligned into a um, somewhat um, pessimistic view of, you know, it was the right time and, and the right price and it just happened to, ha you know, happen in the middle of a pandemic? Uh, I don't know if either one of those are true. Um, okay. I, I uh, have uh, the utmost respect for everything that AVI Systems does. And I, I think they make good business decisions. I think they make good people decisions. Um, and uh, if they had an opportunity to uh, acquire a company that has a very similar uh, kind of a culture, uh, an orientation towards quality, uh, you know, the utmost customer service, um, then uh, uh, it was a good deal for both. All right, very good. Uh, apparently, Brock's dog does not agree with him, which is you know, not, not un unusual. Uh, <laughs> Chuck, talk about it for a second. Um, they mentioned the fact that, that they've got a couple of different offices. I know uh, our friends here at CTI uh, in St. Louis did purchase a, 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 an Atlanta-based firm about a year ago. They did not have an office right in Atlanta. So this is a different situation here where AVI has got an existing culture. Uh, Aviva has got an existing culture. Talk for a second about merging cultures of the two different um, organizations into a into one cohesive unit and typically about how long should not just the the employees expect that to take but also for the customers well anytime two companies merge and i've seen it i mean we've all been around the industry and seen different companies merge companies acquire other companies um one of the things that's things that AVI does really well is they have a lot of standard operating procedures. They have a lot of things documented as to the way they do things. And it makes uh, kind of merging with other companies really easy to, to do. But when you have a piece of documentation, you can look at and say, this is kind of the way we do things. Um, let us see the way you do things and, and see how we can make things mesh. So there's a, there's, it's, it's going to be not, I mean, it won't be an easy merge, but it'll definitely have less road bumps and hiccups than uh, companies that maybe aren't as uh, process oriented or organized uh, doing that. And I know all the employees, you know, I've, I've had several friends in different companies when they merged. It was always the, uh, are we going to be sticking around? Are they absorbing us too? Or, you know, who's, whose jobs are on the chopping block and what are we going to be doing? It's always that thing. But a year later, everyone's just doing business as usual. Uh, the companies uh, acquire or merge with other companies for good reasons. And it's usually good financial reasons, good business decisions. And, uh, you know, this is a good chance for them to branch out and service more people with the quality work that they do. Uh, I, I think it'll, it'll take, from what I've seen of companies merge before, usually between eight months and a year, everything starts settling down and people are in their roles and they feel good about it. And, and the whole fear of, am I going to go or am I going to stay or what's going on or who's going to be my new boss, that all goes away. But there's, you know, there's some uh, 
it's the new relationship. And like any new relationship, you need to get time to get used to each other and, and personalities and whatnot. So um, I think around the eight month to a year mark, they'll start feeling really comfortable. But I think the transition is going to go easier than some that I've seen just because of the way they are so process oriented and quality oriented. Well, yeah, and this is not the only one we've seen this year. I mean, obviously, we started the year with the ginormous AVISPL uh, Whitlock um, Aqua merger, and I don't care which one, which side you 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 look at that from. Technically, from a financial standpoint, it was it was Marlin who owned Whitlock that got AVISPL, but uh, and what was it, Megan? The the top number three and the number two, one. Number uh, one and number three on the SCN top fifty from last year, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so somebody has a shot at number three this year. There you go. Um, and do they have time still to put that in or no? Uh, no, I actually have the list ready to go. It's with our oh, well, never mind team, that. So we'll be announcing that in the next couple of weeks. Sweet. All right. Um, Alicia, uh, same kind of question here about, about, you know, mergers and acquisitions and getting back to normal. When you're looking at it both from a, a client standpoint before she worked for Access Networks, but Alicia was a, was a technology manager, uh, but also from a, a manufacturing standpoint, talk for a second about you know, managing those relationships, like Chuck said, and, and seeing, you know, where you fit in, both from a manufacturer standpoint, making sure that you can serve the new company, I guess. This is something that's interesting. And I've watched closely over, especially the beginning of the year when you and Megan and everybody was putting out, you know, all these acquisitions and mergers were coming along. I've actually personally reached out to, to Brock in the past, like, hey, how does the business of our industry work? I need to link up with people who know how this how, how the business side of it works. So this is something that I'm continuously studying and watching um, as you guys put it out um, to the public and to our industry. So I personally can't speak to it. I've never been to, uh, you know, employed by a company with a merger or an acquisition. And also I've worked before I was a manufacturer, I worked kind of as an end user integrator. It was weird. So I've never personally been um, in the space on either side. So me, I'm just continuing to study and see how things evolve because I'm still newer to the industry. But like Chuck mentioned, those timeframes is what I'm paying very close attention to and how the relationships come together or either divide the company as a whole. All right, very good. Megan, uh, we'll end up with you on this. As you're, we mentioned the, the SCN top 50, she already has that list, but the question is still valid. Uh, when you're looking at that list and you look at you know those top 50, um, you know, and that, that yes, the, the, the Whitlock and, and ABI SP one still gets me, but the, but, but you look at ABI systems and you look at some of the others, um, after that top five, right. And these, these folks are, are growing and evolving in various ways. Yes. Acquisitions is one of them, but also through, um, looking at different markets and expanding those. So, you know, when you look at that, that grand, um, 50 number, you know, what are some of the areas that you're seeing as, as potential growth for other folks who look at that, that list as an aspirational goal? So this year, we actually did things a little differently because we know COVID was hard on everyone and we didn't want people to have to give specific numbers that were drastically different because we've seen growth, obviously, the last several years and we didn't want people to have to give really low numbers if they were having issues because of COVID. So we did a three-year average this year. And the list actually looks largely the same as previous years. I'm not going to give too much away, but I did ask people about um, what areas are they seeing in growth. And obviously, anything with unified communications because of remote working, government, education, basically anything where people needed new systems to adapt to the new normal with COVID. 
All right, very good. Final story here, guys, comes to us uh, from actually uh, our friends over at uh, AV Network and SCN. Planar has expanded their U.S. government uh, division from the article, quote, unquote. Uh, we are absolutely thrilled to announce to enhance our U.S. government division with two more industry experts and an expanded uh, product security uh, program, Alberto Reyes, uh, Reyes uh, the director of U.S. government for Planar, has said. Uh, the U.S. government is a key market for Planar, and I trust these additions will take the support we offer to our customers to new heights. Chuck, start with you on this. Um, a lot has been said about uh, government regulations and government uh, restrictions when it comes to certain product categories, specifically uh, video walls and, and video displays. Uh, is this something that, that Planar needed to do to expand its market share, but also to kind of differentiate and contrast with, well, let's say the product lines or manufacturers who are on uh, a no-buy list now with the government? Well, I think so. I mean, uh, if you think about the last year, um, and I've had this discussion many times with a lot of different people about uh, how are we still going to stay in business during this pandemic and after. Um, a lot of companies went and had really hard times. One company that didn't was the government. Uh, the government still had money. The government still had funding for projects. Had um, money. In yeah, had had my money. Um, and, and just like Megan was saying, uh, government and education right now are, are some of the two markets that are doing really well with AV because education had to make a big switch. So a lot of training went on and uh, people are still getting their schooling in higher education, especially uh, tuitions are still paid and kids are learning from home. Um, the government has still has business as usual. And in some places, their business is, is on an uptick. So I think Planar getting in there was a really smart move, really, really smart move. And I know uh, doing work with the government before, before I was uh, with uh, Avixa, uh, a majority of my work was with the government. And their, their acquisition process is pretty stringent. It's hard to get in. Once you get in, you know, your product lines have to be tested. If they're going in any kind of uh, secure environments, they have to be uh, tested a hundred times over for a myriad of different things for security. So uh, them being able to get in there and, and meet the requirements and, um, you know, for video walls and, and, and there's a lot of video, there's a lot of video walls in the government, a lot. Um, that's a good move for Planar, and the two acquisitions that they, they got on their for their team are really strong moves. Um, so I think that's a, a Planar is going to be definitely on the up and up, uh, capturing some of that government work. I mean, if you want to if you want to go someplace and sell something, you have to do it to people who have money to buy things. So uh, that's a that's the place. I mean, that is almost profound, Chuck. <laughs> Almost, not quite. Almost. Yeah. Um, Megan, the same kind of question as, as we both watch and, and, and look at it, like as Chuck said, you know, looking at the different markets that, that do have money. Um, and, and I say in quotation marks, you know, the government, U.S. government has money. It has money because it keeps printing it. I, and I'm not going to get into Republican, Democrat, or my own libertarian views on, you know, where the, when, the, when the government should, should stop printing money. But he's not wrong. Uh, the government is still spending money. But what other areas uh, are we looking at? And, and was this a smart move by Planar to kind of expand this, and, and especially during this time, to say, you know what, here's, here's a flag that we're going to plant, and, and we're going to really kind of 
uh, double down on, on these efforts to get into the government market. Yeah, they're striking while the iron's hot, and that's always a smart move. If government has money, that's where you go. So hiring new people, making sure their products are secure, because secure security of AV products is another huge issue that is going to help. If you have secure products, it's going to help you sell and get them off the shelves. So I think they're making smart moves and smart choices, and it'll be interesting to follow this and see some of the new installations they have coming up. Yeah, absolutely. If they can talk about them. If they can talk about them. Well, Alicia, we'll bring you in on the security side of this. Uh, one of the areas that Access Networks really hones in and really um, kind of uh, make sure that, that folks understand and know about is the security side. So regardless of whether it's the network or display or whatever piece of AV technology, how do we make sure that the dealers understand this and the dealers um, take it seriously, but also educate themselves and then they can educate the clients? Uh, one thing that was interesting when I was diving in on this article is I did a little extra digging and I went to go see, okay, we're talking about cybersecurity, but what are you going to actually do uh, within this product security launch or expansion? So I went and did some digging and the process that they laid out is very um, continuous. They're looking at it from beginning to end, right? And they're being proactive, which is definitely a start to anything with cybersecurity, right? You're getting ahead of it. Um, Cybersecurity, there's attacks all the time. But what Planar is actively going to do within this expansion and bringing on the team members that they brought in is looking at it from a proactive perspective instead of it being a reactive type of solution, right? That's the only way they're going to get in with these government um, operations is being proactive and figuring out where are the loopholes or the flaws in their products. So that was really great. Um, another thing is that they're taking a different philosophy, that shift left philosophy that comes with developing software is very important. And then they're also gonna do cross, um, they're gonna do basically bring in third party vendors to test as well, which is important because when you start introducing so many different products into say an ecosystem within a deployment, testing those other products and seeing how they work and how you can protect the client from before it even gets deployed is huge. So I think this was very um, impressive all the way around. I hate that it had to come because of COVID and then they were like, oh, we're gonna target this market, right? We should be proactive from the beginning, but um, I'm glad it's happening because it's really, really smart, but also protecting the customers that they want to connect with and provide those type of services to. Yeah, absolutely. Brock, there's a reason I end it with you and, and not for nothing, but Brock lives in a different country uh, than the rest of us. Um, technically, so does Chuck, but he lives in Virginia and I'm not going to get oh, West Virginia. And that's a, that's a bad joke. Uh, but literally, I'll be quiet. You guys separated from Virginia like 200 years ago for a dumbass reason. Um, <laughs> so, oh, you're still in Virginia. I thought you were in West Virginia. Okay. No, no, I'm on Mars right now, but I'm no, still in Virginia. Okay. Uh, but you know, serious says Brock, you are in a different country completely. Uh, so when, it, when you look at things that the U S government does or other even governments, you know, whether it's the British government, cause they've also made, um, uh, sanctions against, uh, companies like Huawei because the U S have, and, and, and other companies have as well, or other countries have as well. How big of an impact is that on, on when, when on dealers and, and consultants, when you guys look at, at products? that you can use, even though the, the Canadian government may not have put a sanction on it, but let's say that your, you know, your, your client is a U.S.-based company and, and they've got issues because either the U.S. has said, said something, France has said you probably shouldn't use that product, the U.K. has said, you know, how much of, 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 of an impact is it when other countries put 
sanctions on on products that you guys can legitimately use in country? Um, well, I, I think you've actually got to the root of the uh, reason that Planar uh, has established a, a U.S. government, uh, uh, a specific U.S. government wing. Um, Planar is Layard. Layard is a Chinese company. Uh, the U.S. government is is uh, having some challenges uh, accepting electronics and chips and boards that are manufactured uh, by um, by uh, Chinese companies. And so I think uh, I think the Japanese and Korean competitors uh, of Planar and Layard have had a huge advantage in dealing with uh, in dealing with the U.S. government and and all the other members of the Five Eyes um, uh, security establishment uh, who all worry about what kind of chips uh, are actually being installed uh, in electronic devices that end up in our most secure command and control centers. So um, Planar, who are good folks, uh, are having to likely jump through hoops uh, in, or in order just to compete on a level playing field um, with, uh, with whitelisted uh, companies. And I'm sorry to use that, that uh, term, but that I, I don't know an alternative. Um, approved, like a approved list of, um, of vendors uh, for communication chips and uh, wireless chips and video chips. Uh, so it, it, I think that that's what they're, I think that's the problem that Planar is actually trying to solve uh, and, uh, uh, and good on them because they're good people, they make a good product. It just happens to be made uh, in a country that uh, America does not necessarily uh, see as uh, a friend. I'm going to ask more of a somewhat snarky, but also technical question. Is there an LED in this world that is not manufactured in China at some point in, in, in its life that anybody is aware of? See, that's the thing, right? Um, and, and I have a lot of respect for, for Dactronics and I'll pick on them for a second. Um, you know, American company based in South Dakota. Their, their LEDs are manufactured in China. Now they put them together and, and their, their components and everything, vast, the vast majority of them are, 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 you know, kind of assembled in South Dakota, but the LEDs are manufactured in China, right? Um, so the LEDs, Tim, are not the problem. It's the, it's um, the software and the, and the computer it, chip. It, yeah, it is. It's the chips and the com boards um, and uh, uh, that, that can be manufactured anywhere. And I'm sure that some of those are manufactured in uh, Japan. I'm sure some are manufactured in Korea and in Taiwan. Uh, you know the uh, uh, the receiver boards. Uh, Mitsubishi has had a strong business uh, in uh, in secure facilities, and one of their advantages is I, I, the, the the LED itself, the the illuminating uh, element, may be manufactured in China. But I think the rest of it is all made in, in Japan. Yeah. All right. Very good. That will be a good place to stop. Thank you all so much. Megan Dutta. Actually, let's start. Let's end with Megan because Megan and I have something cool to talk about. So we'll start with Alicia Henley. Thank you, ma'am. Thanks, Tim. Uh, I think everybody knows. Find me at the Smooth Factor, all the platforms. I think everybody knows. Yes, you're, you are rather infamous. And, and the, the grind includes Friday. 
That's right. Uh, Look at Megan is grinding. Everybody's here to prove Megan it. is that grinding. Is a lie. That is the name of this show. Okay. Megan is grinding. That right there. Chuck, thank you, sir, brother. Thank you very much for having me, Tim. Uh, anyone that wants me uh, can find me out on the farm. And if you shoot me an email, I might get in, in two or three years. Not right. All right. You can also find him at Mad Sound Guy on the socials. Or if, if you take a class from Avixa, you can find him there too. So, uh, also with us is Brock McGinnis. Thank you, sir. Uh, uh, again, Tim, always a pleasure. Uh, love to support whatever it is that uh, AV Nation does. And I've never been short of opinions. Uh, some of them can be found at Brock McGinnis uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm Brock at Avitas.com, A V I T A A S. All right, and Megan Dutta, thank you, ma'am. Thanks for having me. And you know, I was totally going to plug the event, so I'm happy you saved me for last so we can talk about it a little. On December 10th, Tim and I are hosting AV Network Nation. It is a free event for integrators, consultants, technology managers, all of our friends. We'd love to see you there. We'll be talking about networked audio, digital signage, AV over IP. We have some great sponsors on board that you can check out in the exhibit hall. So you can find that at avnetworknation.com and you can find me on Twitter at Megan A. Dutta and you can find SCN Magazine on Twitter at SCN Mag. And don't forget, there are four and a half renewal units for your seven five. yes. Oh, a bonus. 4.75 of VIXA RUs are available if you attend all the sessions and fill out the questionnaire at the end. Yep, absolutely. And the reason that there's 4.75 and not a full five is because of Bradford Ben. So uh, he said that, not not me. Uh, for me, uh, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters because you'll get one of two things, either the bears or me working out, which is something I thought I would never say uh, ever in the history of my life. Uh, but because of Chris Netto, that's what you'll find, the AV Fitness hashtag. Also check out the, 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 pro, um, the, the positivity uh, hashtag as well that we're all kind of doing together and helping each other and lifting each other up, encouraging one another and and you know kind of uh, if you need a job let's reach each other out and let, let's you know connect everybody. Uh, if you got one, have good news about it. Let's let's you know talk about that as well. Uh, so check that out as well. Uh, check out our website uh, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find programs like this and a host of others, including the other weekly show that uh, my buddy Matt Scott does that uh, talks about the residential side of the AV industry. Uh, so all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs> <laughs>